Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. Take your Bibles, 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter number 3. Our ushers are going to make their way through the congregation. And if you did not receive a copy of this morning's notes, uh, just raise your hand. Uh, That way you can follow along in the message and you'll know when I'm uh, about to be finished. And so that'll be a few minutes from now. But let's take our Bibles and uh, 1 John chapter number 3. And thank you men so much for your help. Thank you for all of those that were involved in music this morning, including you. I heard you sing and it was awesome just to listen to you sing this morning. And Thank you so much. You are a blessing to me. I can't wait to get into our message. I, uh, as I've studied this passage of Scripture, understand the meaning of this passage of Scripture, personally applied this passage of Scripture, I know uh, that this is going to, to, to mean something to all of us this morning because it's, it's available to all of us. And that is the topic of love. And I've entitled this morning's message, Love is in the air. (laughs) And speaking of love being in the air, I'd like to ask Mr. Larry and Bertie Bradley to stand for me for just a moment, if they can do that. Um, They are here on my right. If you uh, just look at Mr. and Mrs. Bradley, they've been members here for many years. I'm so incredibly grateful for them. had the opportunity to visit with them in their home this week. And they're going to be celebrating, don't, don't clap just yet, but they're going to be celebrating their 65th wedding anniversary this, in just a couple of days. That's a pretty remarkable accomplishment. But uh, they've informed me just to do, due to health and some things going on there that this is going to be their last Sunday as they're going to be transitioning to homebound and uh, getting out very rarely. And uh, I love this dear sweet couple. And I sure hope that you will go by after the service um, uh, and just uh, thank them for their many years of faithfulness here uh, as it's uh, becoming increasingly more difficult for them to get out. But love is in the air. 65 years of marriage. Let's congratulate them this morning. A young woman wrote a, wrote a letter to her former boyfriend whom she had left for a new guy. Dearest Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. So please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. Congratulations on winning the $5 million lottery. (laughs) Several years ago, Tina Turner had a hit song called, What's Love Got to Do With It? Unfortunately, the lyrics suggested that you do not need to have love for someone in order to have physical relationships with them. It's a really a dirty song, if you really think about it. Over and over, some 46 times, John writes of love. What does love have to do with it? Love is in demand. I, I, those words, I love you, they invoke 
a warm feeling, a powerful, uh, uh, a powerful statement. Love is the theme of songs and poetry and stories and books and movies. Love is in demand because the world is full of hatred and cynicism and strife. Unfortunately, there's some churches and Christians, groups who are known more for strife than love. May that never be said of our church. May we love one another. So let's read our Bible story found here in 1 John chapter 3. We'll drop down to verse number 10. And uh, we're uh, preaching through the book of 1 John. I see a number of people who are visiting with us today. And uh, while I'm very grateful for all of you, you may not understand uh, what expository preaching is. Expository preaching is is that we preach through uh, uh, books of the Bible. We go verse by verse, phrase by phrase, word by word where necessary, and that's what we're doing. So every Sunday we know where we're going to be. Next Sunday we'll be back in 1 John. And uh, I've encouraged you to read through. And so we do responsive reading on Sunday morning. You always read the even verses. And I read the odd verses, and, um, and so we're going to read verses 10 through 18. You can remain seated because we've been up and down so much this morning. Uh, Pastor Jonathan is going to help us, uh, and you follow him as he begins reading in verse number 10. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning. That we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brother, and if the world hate you. He passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Father, thank you so much for the baptism, the reminder of your broken body and precious blood, the ministry of music and how that we were able to worship you. Thank you that you're an amazing God. Father, there's a direct lesson for us And that is the topic of love this morning. So I pray that you will help us to listen attentively, but that thy Holy Spirit might be able to control this service, control our hearts and our mind during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. John teaches us that there is a level of love known by believers that is not available to the world or the unsaved or non-Christians. And so I understanding that our time would be a little bit shorter this morning, I only have Two points to my message, and both of those come in a form of a question. And the first question is this this morning Am I living in love? Am I living 
in love. And as we break this down, there's a couple of thoughts here under this question. And the first thought is this. Love, therefore, is righteousness in action. Love is righteousness in action. John classifies people into two contrasting groups. He says that either you are a child of God or you're a child of the devil. How many of you desire to be a child of the devil this morning? I would hope that would not be the desire of any of us. But if you're lost, if you're unsaved, you're without Christ, the Bible would describe you as a person who is a child of the devil. And each is made manifest, or that means made known by their response to God's righteousness. All of our actions either result from uh, our fellowship with God or a, our fellowship, affiliation with worldly things. Our actions are made known by what family we belong to. When uh, Christians, their general desire is to do not um, the things of the world. Our desire is to do righteousness, to follow after God, to produce fruit. But if we follow after the world, we're producing fruit from the wrong family. Um, I just want to remind us that it is possible for God's children to not act into, in character with his family. The character of God's family overwhelmingly is righteousness. Uh, however, righteousness in a, is a general, it's a, it's a vague, maybe I could say it this way, it's a broad concept. And when I use that word, you haven't even used that word righteousness this week unless you read it in the word of God. So maybe I could say it this way, love is a specific concept. Uh, how do we know if we practice righteousness? We know because we love others. Love is where the rubber hits the road. Uh, to be righteous is to love one another. So the question is, am I living in love? And we see that love is defined as righteousness in action. But also notice that love is basic to Christianity. It's a basic quality of Christianity. The message or heart of Jesus' teaching is that we are to love one another. And from the beginning of our walk with Christ, from the moment we were saved, love entered into our lives. How did love enter into our lives? By the precious Holy Spirit of God that came, up, came in to live within us. Paul wrote, Something about this to the church of Thessalonica when he said this. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write it to you. For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. In Romans chapter 5, it is written, The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Most people, however, including the vast majority in here, equate love with affectionate feelings. That's why folks can be married many years and suddenly you hear this phrase that someone falls out of love. The feelings pass. And when the feelings pass, sometimes the commitment goes away as well. Biblical love, however, it's concerned first with your decisions, not your affections. Love first has to do with what you decide, not how you feel. Real love that I'm talking about this morning begins with your will and then moves to your affections. This is why we decide to love people we don't necessarily like. 
It doesn't matter how much we go to church. It doesn't matter how much biblical knowledge we have, how much we pray, how many missionaries we may be involved with if we fail to love one another. So maybe I could say it this way. And if you're sleeping, you're distracted, you're wondering about what you're going to do for lunch today, it really could be encompassed in what I'm about to say. A failure to love others disqualifies everything else we may do. A failure to love others disqualifies us from everything else we may do. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 8, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but love edifies or builds up. That's why 1 Peter chapter 1 says this, love one another with a pure heart, fervently, passionately, because loving one another, it is the primary mark of true Christianity. The enemy expends a great deal of effort causing believers to fight and to quarrel and to grumble against one another. And he tries to divide Christian marriages and he tries to divide relationships and he tries to split churches. May I just tell you, the devil is very successful at what he does. We, as a church family, we must understand the schemes of the devil. We must work hard to make sure that that never becomes part of our church. And I believe that one of the reasons God's hand has been upon our church is that there is a godly love that's verifiably present here. I think I experienced a little bit of that this morning as I listened to you sing. You you can't sing like that unless you love each other and love the Lord. True mature believers in this church, I am so thankful for that strong example of love. Oh, I could start picking out in every section, husbands and wives, it's undeniable that you love each other. Thank you for that example. And um, I, I mean, we were in Larry and Bertie's home uh, this, uh, this week, and uh, Shelly and I were visiting them. And do you know that, that Larry would start a sentence and Bertie would finish it? Bertie would start to finish and Larry would finish it. They were even thinking the same. They're starting to look alike. They, they're so much alike. What a demonstration of love. And one of the great challenges of any church is to keep that love alive. And if we're not careful, church will be a place where we go, not a relationship that we look forward to enjoying. Let me read a quick passage of scripture for you in Matthew chapter 22. There's a story that's told. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, tempting him, uh, trying to trip him up. And he said this, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, our soul, and our mind. This is the first and great commandment. And he could have put a period right there and stopped. But he didn't. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all of the law and, all, and the prophets. So the lawyer asked Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? Now there are 613 commandments in the Old Testament. And Jesus said of those 613 commandments, the first most important commandment is to love God. Do you love God this morning? It's demonstrated. It's easy to be verified by how you do the second commandment. Because they're interlinked. And the second commandment is 
that we are to love others. Do you know the lawyer didn't even ask for the second commandment, but Jesus automatically offered it because he knew that they are linked. Our problem is we measure our love for God by our feelings. And, if, and, and we measure our love for God by how we're moved in a worship service or by the singers or by a good sermon or, or we get some tingly, warm, fuzzy feeling and, and we think that is loving God. Uh, may I just say, feelings alone are insufficient evidence of love. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them He it is that loveth me. Jesus can't command our feelings, but he can certainly command our actions. And he commands us to love people that we do not like. Is there someone that comes to mind that you don't really care that much for? I'm sure all of us, there's someone that comes to mind. And Jesus said the measure of your love is by how you treat those people that you do not like. Our vertical relationship with God is always measured by that horizontal fellowship uh, that we have with each other. And I'm speaking specifically of Christians. Christians, they divide over race and age and social class and dress and music and Bible versions and names on the sign and even the color of the carpet. Why is that? It's because there's a lack of love. Love is not in the air. We're not in fellowship with God when we have those problems. When I hear a Christian complaining against or putting down, uh, I often uh, wonder what broke their fellowship with God. May I just say this? I am thankful. I publicly say this for the different cultures that we have in our church. Different people. The different heights and, and, and the different uh, ethnicities that are here. I am thankful for that we are multi-generational in our church. And we've come from different religious cultures. And we can appreciate some things from each culture. But may I just say with an exclamation, the reason that we are here is to love each other. That's why we're here. Back in the early 1990s, some of you served in the military or you're a student of history remember this. A guy by the name of Saddam Hussein invaded the little nation of Kuwait. And he brought with him death, disease, and destruction. Saudi Arabia begged uh, our current president at that time, uh, President Bush, for help. And the president called on England and Canada, Spain, France, and Turkey, and a number of other small nations to form a coalition to stop this mad Iraqi dictator thought about that as I remember watching it on the news as it unfolded. And I was so proud of our country. We responded in force and we responded uh, in a total humiliating defeat for Saddam Hussein. But then I thought spiritually in much the same way Satan has brought death, disease, destruction to this whole world but you know what you know what overcomes that it's the white and the black and the yellow and the brown the tall and the short from all classes and all backgrounds who name Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and we come together we bind together and may I just tell you the collective whole we are more powerful than Satan when we work together And I'm here to say that we've got to come together and it's time for us to quit uh, dividing and quit separating 
Am I living in love? Then I understand that love is righteousness in action. I understand that love is basic to Christianity. I understand that love, though, is in contrast to the world. Love is in contrast to this world. John now gives us the example, and and just like uh, Jesus often told stories, John goes back and gives us a story of Cain and Abel. Cain was the, the man who, who was the first human to hate and to the first human to murder. And you can read about that in Genesis chapter 4 sometime. And he murdered his brother Abel. And uh, he couldn't blame the environment because the world was unpolluted at that time. There were only a few people on the entirety of the earth. And John wrote of Cain here. He slew his brother because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. And Cain murdered uh, Abel because, uh, uh, because he had an evilness inside. May I just tell you, if you don't love your brother, it's not because there's something wrong with him, but there's something wrong in you. The Bible says we're to love. And sometimes we say, but you don't know what they did to me. We're to love. We're to love. Worship was the issue. Cain brought fruit and, and, and greens uh, when God had said to bring a lamb. And Abel brought a lamb, and God did not honor Cain because he brought the wrong sacrifice. Cain thought God would be satisfied with what he brought, uh, even though it was different than what God had demanded. Folks, we can have our opinion, but we've got to do, thus saith the Lord. Amen. We've got to follow what he says. We have to have the blood of the lamb first before we have the fruit of good works. And are you living in love or are you seething in bitterness and hate? Are you living in character with your family and that is God's righteousness? Jesus said in John chapter 8, Ye are of your father the devil. The lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And Jude 11 speaks of those who corrupt themselves. It says, woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. And when you decide not to like, when you decide not to love a brother or sister in Christ, you've gone in the way of Cain. And the Bible says, sin lies at your door. Murdered is from a word that means brutal slaughter to butcher. However, when Jesus he was talking in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. He says, Ye have heard that it has been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Oh no, wait a second, guys. Wait a second. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. In verse 13, John says, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. And one type of jealousy covets another's possessions and another type resents the righteousness of others. And did you ever despise that goody two-shoes in school? May I just say the world hates true believers because we're the conscious of the culture. And even though the world may hate you and even though the world may disagree with you, stay strong because we're following the Lord. Love is... Righteousness in action. Love is basic to Christianity. Love is in contrast to the world. And I think it is very important for us to understand this morning that love is evidence of genuine conversion. Are you a believer this morning? If you are, then love will be evidenced in your life. In verse 14, John wrote, we know. It means we know as a fact 
We've passed from that phase uh, that, uh, that, that, that means crossed over. It used to describe a person who immigrated from one country to another. Ephesians chapter 5 says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And loving others is the primary evidence that you have been born again. It's the outward evidence that you've been born again. It's the outward evidence that you are a believer. I'm so thankful that I'm looking at hundreds and hundreds of people that you name Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, and I've seen you love others. Never get tired of that. Never let that become stale in your life. We are to love others. Jesus said in John 15, verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. And verse 15 says this, Whosoever hateth his brother might be described as a murderer. Is that what the Bible says? No. It says, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Here it is again. To God, hatred for another person is equivalent to murdering someone. Is there hatred in your heart for another Christian? If there is, it's like mentally taking a gun and shooting him. And in our society, we put people in prison for murder, and they're taken away from the fellowship of other people. And if we hate another Christian, we're committing spiritual murder, and God removes our fellowship from him. John also says this, you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Oh, folks, we got to be careful in this area. As I said, there's only two points to my message this morning. Both of them come in the form of a question. Am I living in love? And the second and final point is also in the form of a question. Am I acting in love? Am I acting in love? May I just describe the greatest love act that has ever taken place in the entirety of the world, past, present, or future. And that is that Jesus sacrificed his life. Jesus gave his life. In verse 16, John says, Hereby perceive we the love of God. In other words, by this we can verify love is an unconditional sacrifice. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. The Bible says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. A little boy asked his dad, Dad, can you tell me what love is? And the the dad used an appropriate, immediate illustration. He pointed to the little boy's dog, and he said, Love is wagging your tail even when you've been mistreated. I think we can understand that. Love is doing what is right for someone else, even when you have been mistreated. Jesus laid down his life, or he divested himself of life. Laid down is a phrase here that is used of taking off one's clothes. He said in John 15, verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. May I say, Cain is the perfect illustration of hate. But may I say, Jesus is the perfect illustration of love. Hate leads us to do terrible things. Love provokes us to do good things. Hate seeks harm. Love seeks to bless. Hate destroys. Love builds up. Hate wants to divide. Love wants to reconcile. Hate wants to kill. Love wants to impart life. 
May I just tell you, I've also described the world and God. All of those things I just described, we can see when it comes to hate, we can see it in the news every single day. I do not understand why this world does not want life and why they want hate and why they want to divide and kill and destroy until I understand that their father is the devil. The sacrifice of Jesus is not an act to be admired, but it's also an example to be followed. We should be willing we should be willing to understand the need that our brothers and sisters in Christ have needs. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Am I acting in love? In love, Jesus sacrificed his very own life. And so that brings us to the practical application of our message this morning. I've built all of this foundation and built the structure, and now we put the finishing pieces on the building. In love, we must sacrifice our stuff. Our stuff. I had to look hard for that word, stuff. In love, we've got to sacrifice our stuff. Love may not require us to literally give our lives, but it does require us to give what is of value in our lives to reach the lives of others. To, to give what we have is the same principle as the love of the cross, only at a much lower intensity. John goes from the plural brethren in verse number 16 to the singular brother in verse number 17. He, he moves from a general application toward a very specific application uh, to a particular brother. Someone said this, um, loving everybody in a general way may be an excuse for loving nobody in particular. I see here that John assumes that the Christian hath the world's goods, and we may not be wealthy, but we have something to share. The text assumes that the Christian seeth that the brother have need, and the word seeth means to, to gaze intently, looking for that person that has a need. Oh, to see a brother in need places us with an inescapable responsibility. Every single person here has a responsibility. If you're abiding in Christ this morning, you will be moved when he is moved. And God is always moved to action. The Lord tells us, don't, don't shut up your heart. Don't close the door on the burden. If you shut up your heart, you prove that your fellowship has been broken with God. John R. W. Stott said this, As life does not dwell in the murderer, so love does not dwell in the miser. Just because you didn't help one person does not mean that you do, you do not have no love. But if you habitually, characteristically refuse to help fellow believers in need, you need to examine your faith. You need to see, am I really in the family? Do you remember Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 25? Then shall he answer them and saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, you, ye did it not to me. Are you acting in love? Love is measured in actions, not words. Love is measured in actions, not words. Verse number 18, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. 
Actions always speak louder than words, and if our love is genuine, it will be constructive. The love of God can only be measured by your actions and not your speech. Listen to this little exhortation that took place in the book of James chapter 2. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, but ye, but, but be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth the prophet? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Now let's, re, let's understand this was a direct Conversation being written to Christians. Salvation and works do not go together. But after salvation, there ought to be a lot of good works. Because once the Lord changes your heart, you have that love. The Holy Spirit of God that lives within you, you can't help but help other people. So let me give you another thought. Love love that does not act is a lie. Love that does not act is a lie. We've heard many stories about D.L. Moody, a boy from Chicago. He had tremendous influence and impact on so many different areas of his generation. God greatly used him. He described a boy from Chicago who attended Sunday school in a particular church. And I understand generationally this, this, when this story was written in that culture, everybody walked everywhere. And so his parents moved to another part of the city. The young boy asked mom and dad if he could still attend the church that he was going to. And it meant a long, tiresome walk every single Sunday to church and home from church. Oh, the days that we could go back to being so innocent where we could not fear for our lives doing something like that. A friend asked the little boy, why do you walk so far to church? There's lots of other good churches between here and that other church that you go to. The little boy said, they may, they may be as good for someone else, but not for me. His friend replied, well, why not? And he said, because I have experienced their love for a fella over there. Someone comes to our church. Do they experience our love? Do they experience our love of Christ? Do they see love in action? Am I living in love? Am I acting in love? The question for all of us this morning is that love is what Christ did for us. And many times we're selfish, self-centered, and we are not willing to follow the love of Christ. So I ask you this morning, how's your love meter if we were to say your meter zero being it's pretty dead to 10, man, you're pegging 10. I love people. I love God. The Holy Spirit's alive. I have fellowship with God. Where are you in that? Zero to 10 for your love for other people. Our church will only be as strong as we obey this commandment. And so I end with this question. Is there love in the air? at Tucson Baptist.